<laughs> Welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Weldon. Today, we're welcoming back our friends for another installment of our game, Star Sworn. And I'm Daniel Hines, and that's right. So let's get to the players, starting with my friend, Nate Auger. Hi, I'm Nate Auger. I'm going to be playing Max Goodname, the human knight. I'm excellent at making friends. I can't stand for injustice. Wallace Q. Wallace is my best friend. I dream of being a hero of the realm. I once won the King's Tournament, and my new ability is my downfall is acting before thinking. That's right. Everybody leveled up after a couple sessions, meaning they get to add one new line to their character story. Um, So that was Max, and now let's see Kelsey Lee. Hi, I'm Coralie, the elf cleric. I'm excellent at healing and wards. Max is my heart song. I stand out because of my kind spirit. My downfall is I'm easily spooked. I dream of peace, harmony, and wellness for all, and I once calmed an angry crowd. Thank you, Kelsey. And next up is Emily playing Wallace Q. Wallace. I'm Wallace Q. Wallace, wizard at large and master of illusion. I'm a human wizard. I'm excellent at casting spells. My downfall is I can be convinced to follow bad ideas. I can't stand bullies. My best friend is Max Goodname. I dream of someday developing my own defensive spells. And just last week, I recently once stopped a charging whale with my new magic. Excellent. So that is our cast. Of course, I'm Daniel Hines, your storyteller with Amanda Weldon helping me out and doing a lot of voices here. And uh, without further ado, she is going to start our intro. Today we're playing Chapter 3 of our story. If you'd like to play your own story, Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are available at storiesrpg.com. Chapter 1 and all the rules have everything you need to get started with your own games and are totally free. The chapters available for download have you making your own characters in the world of Starsworn and rung alongside Max Goodname's adventure. They're fully written and ready to play at home with your family. We've done all the work for you to just print and go. You can head to storiesrpg.com and let us know what you think. Now enjoy Starsworn Chapter 3. So before we get into it, just as a reminder, last time you guys discovered your star sworn powers. Max, you were the raptured knight. Corley, you were the mother bear. And Wallace, you were the staring sentinel. So with your star signs revealed by the frog witch, you went out and stopped a whale who had the sign of the locust and was threatening to eat the crops for the entire kingdom. Once you did that, you were approached by Lady Bronzewind, the royal arcanist, in charge of the conservatory, the new school for Starsworn. And now we pick up our adventure. Traveling with Lady Bronzewind, the royal arcanist, you wind your way through the kingdom. It's a comfortable ride in her arcane-powered transmotive carriage, and after a couple days of traveling, you see soaring towers in the distance, wound with ivy and mixed with beautiful trees. 
The conservatory, Bronzewind says, pulling down her goggles and smiling with pride. As you get closer, you see it's an old castle that has been allowed to merge with the forest around it. Trees grow through the buildings, some trees are the buildings, and everywhere flowers bloom and fireflies bob and glow like dancing stars. You pass under an arch overgrown with moss and enter a wide courtyard. In every direction, you see buildings mingled among the trees, and you start to get a feel for how sprawling the conservatory truly is. You don't have long to take it all in, though. As the transmotive rattles and hisses and clangs to a stop, a messenger runs from a nearby tree topped with a castle parapet. Max! Wallace! Corley! She pants. The king is here! He needs to see you right away! With a clunk clang, a set of steps unfolds from the side of the carriage. Better not keep him waiting now, Lady Bronzeman says. I'll see you tonight at the feast. You follow the messenger into the tower, a strange mix of natural wood and dwarven stonework. You climb a spiraling staircase of woven branches and come into a large room, richly appointed in thick velvets and lush peachy moss, softer than any feather bed. The king stands to one side, looking out of the window at the conservatory grounds. You see a riot of colorful trees and flowers and stonework with strange plumes of smoke all dancing in the wind. On a distant tower, a crooked telescope juts into the darkening sky. The king turns to look at you with a familiar smile. Max and Wallace, getting into trouble as always, I see, and you've gotten Corley wrapped up in it too. Dear girl, I thought you had more sense than to get mixed up with these miscreants. These are not miscreants! <laughs> I know, I know, and I know the stars will choose who they will, and, um, well, for good or ill, they've chosen you. Your grace? I take a knee. Oh, rise, Max, rise. You've done an excellent job. I heard you saved the kingdom, the three of you, from that, uh, locust whale. It was definitely a team effort. They did most of the work, actually. He's being humble. It was your beautiful voice that got us through it. I agree. I think it was me. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, I, oh, no, I, I didn't. So <laughs> yeah, Max went into the air and f turned into a steel guy and fought a giant locust, so it wasn't really nothing, but I'll admit I also did stop a giant whale, which was pretty cool. Surely a team effort, King. Now, I'm glad you're here at the school, but unfortunately, you can't linger long. You're older, and you've uh, proven your worth time and time again, and I, I'm afraid I must ask more of you now. That's what we're here for. Happy to serve. We've had reports of a uh, star sworn out of control ravaging the countryside and none more than Parlo the Pink, who I think you'll remember. Oh, I do. How can we forget? Parlo the Stink, more like. Oh, I've heard that before. He <laughs> That's right, buddy. truly is a ripe man, but, but regardless, he is out there. <laughs> but regardless, him and other star sworn are out there and... Some may be causing trouble, and others may be uh, innocents, like the whale who just came into the power and don't know what to do with it. And, well, they need to be either brought to the conservatory or set free, as you see fit. Including the building? We, we, we heard there was a building. The building? I don't think you could bring a building to a building, so maybe just set that one free. But that's not, that's not where we're going right now. Because also, We've had reports of someone called the Astronomer who is hunting for Starsworn and capturing them to some sinister end, no doubt. And on top of all of that, we have the Brig. Yeah, we met one 
of the astronomer's henchmen, and he did not seem like he had the Starsworn's best interest in mind. Nope. Big no. Greg seemed pretty upset that we were out there on the trail. You met Big Greg? Yeah. He, was, he actually seemed not not too bad. How big was he? Eh, kind of big. Oh, Big Greg. Pull, pull. Oh, and who's this? Pull, pull, pull. Oh, that's Peeper. Peeper? What? What is a Peeper? He's a froglin. A froglin? What is that a... Oh, I see. Some sort of frog goblin. Pull, pull, pull. Oh, did he... Does he help you? Of course. Well then, brave peeper, you are also an asset to the kingdom. Pull, pull. What is he saying? He's saying, thank you. Excellent, excellent. You're welcome, peeper. But on top of all that, we have the brig. He was the uh, warden of the Iron Penance. And now I hear he is... um. Starsworn himself and gone a little mad with the power. I think he went down with the ship, though. Well, maybe he went down, but he has risen again. Turns out Starsworn are not as easy to kill as that. And he is out in the countryside, and we have word that he is using his new power to obliterate criminals as judge, jury, and executioner. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, we'll have to put a stop to that. Indeed you will, but carefully, carefully, the brig, even as a human, was... No one to trifle with, and now with these Starsworn powers, I fear you may be overmatched. Well, the last time we faced off against him, we didn't even know that we were Starsworn, so maybe this time it'll be easier. I hope so. I hope so. Um, I love your optimism, Max. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Max, not good at taking compliments. I'm going to talk with Lady Bronson and my generals and figure out where to send you first, but in the meantime, I believe um, there's a feast you might want to attend. Well, that's good, because I'm hungry. I can eat. How gracious you are to have us for dinner. Oh, it's all Lady Bronzewood who runs the conservatory. Be sure to thank her. We will. Pull, pull. Let's go to the feast. I hope they have nachos. And carrots. And pie. Mm. You're in luck. They have nacho carrot pie. Oh. A rare delicacy. Yeah, I don't like them all together, but... Oh, well, that's what they're serving. Enjoy. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, King. Thank you, King. All right, I'll try it. It's early evening when you leave the tower, with the sky softening to shades of purple. Fireflies and will-o'-the-wisps chase each other through the trees, bathing the pathways in a gentle yellow light. A student, a sullen vulpin, a foxfolk girl named Nandy, leads you to the dining hall. Inside, you see an odd assortment of students, including humans and dwarves, elves and trolls, goblins and frosker, and more. There's even a hippofowl with its face buried in a bowl of punch. They're all chatting at tables that seem to grow out of the ground, seated on stumps and mushrooms and wide plank benches. At the far end of the hall, Lady Bronzewin steps onto a raised stage and lets loose a noisy sparkle of arcane energy. All the students stopped talking and turned towards her respectfully. Here are the heroes of the hour, living proof that the stars are not wicked, but wonderful. Max Goodname, Corley Anders, Wallace Q. Wallace, and... Peeper, is it? When a whale possessed by the sign of the locust wreaked havoc on unsuspecting farmers, threatening the entire realm with starvation, these heroes used their power to calm and heal the raging spirit and return it to the sky, where it now shines down and gives us all hope. You, all of you, are here because you are like them. 
Despite fear and chaos and strife, you are brave enough to use your powers to help and to prove to the world that Starsworn are not agents of evil, but beacons of hope, stars that shine among us. Beautifully said. And so the crowd applauds politely, and you spot a few more students clapping excited, and um, in the crowd you... Oh, yes, yes. And in the crowd, you spot Bramble and Lady Feneth, who you uh, saved from the tower, cheering along with all the rest. And um, generally, you're just giving a warm welcome. Do you do anything to uh, to acknowledge the uh, applause? Um, I curtsy. <laughs> just raise one hand. Just like a parade yeah, wave? Yeah. I cast a bunch of stars into the sky to fall on everyone like we're all star sworn. Should I roll for that? Okay. Just a minor just illusion. Happens. And we all dance in the Everybody stars. Everybody loves it. It's good. We all dance it. in the shimmering stars. Everybody cheers as the uh, illusory stars fall from Wallace, and you guys dance and cheer. Max, you uh, encase yourself in metal to kind of show off, and everybody cheers that too. And uh, you guys tell the story of how you stopped the whale, and it's just kind of, in general, a great night. And you eat a delicious meal, and afterwards you find your way back to the dormitory. Wait, uh... Later in the evening, after I've eaten a bunch of nachos, I also turn myself into a bear and then make my skin look like it's metal to make it seem like I have all the powers that everybody has. Everybody thinks it's great. They lose their minds. They ask you how you do it. Everybody goes wild. And Max, they ask you to turn into a bear, too. Let me see. And my shield just keeps going on and off over and over again. And then I turn him into a big bear. (gasps) Wow. Everybody Ah. loves it. Big applause. So you head back to your dormitory, find it beautifully appointed room, tall windows, lots of um, moonlight streaming through. So you come in the room and there is a triple stack of bunk beds in the dormitory, each one with a little curtain you can close off. And you guys all rush in and claim a bed. I'll take bottom bunk. That's a good idea. I don't want your big heavy metal self falling on me in the middle of the night. I'll take the one on top of you, Max. And I'll take the topity top with Peeper. Peeper. Peeper's afraid of heights, and he actually stays down. He, there's a rug near the fireplace, and he curls up on that. Oh, Peeper's going to keep me up. He's so close to my bed snoring. Um, you worry about that, but eventually his snoring tapers off, and his leg starts to twitch like a sleeping dog, and it is very adorable, and you all drift off to sleep, and the next morning you're woken up by Lady Bronzewin. Oh, why are you shaking me, Lady Bronzewin? <laughs> Sorry. Before the king sends you away, I thought you could impart some wisdom to our younger students. I booked each of you to help teach a class today. Come on now, I'll show you the way. So for this, you are brought to the Powers Practicum, they call it, which is a wide field. Lady Bronzewin describes it as the parade grounds, and there's certainly enough room for a parade there, but it's put to use to create what looks like a massive obstacle course. There's logs to balance on, climbing walls, heavy straw bales and targets, hoops on poles suspended high above the ground, and even a series of ropes to climb and balance on. And each of you is going to give a short demonstration on a power or ability to the students here. Who wants to go first? I will. All right, Wallace, what is, um, you ushered to the front of the group, all the students are, these are the younger star sworn, and they have all heard of you guys, not only the magic armor, but the silent night, and even your work with the basilisk, and you guys are kind of legendary to these kids, so what do you want to teach them? All right, somebody yell out an occupation and an animal. A doctor and a badger. 
I turn into a badger wearing a doctor coat with one of those big shiny things on your head and let's see if they like it. All right, let's give a roll to see how this performance goes over. What can you use for this roll? Um, I'm a wizard and master of illusion. Uh, that's one. I'm excellent at casting spells. That'll be two. And that's pretty much it. And that'll be two. Let's, let's see it. All right. So just as a reminder, if you roll a one, two, or a three, that is a failure. A four or a five is a mixed success, gonna, and a six is a success. I got a, I got a four and a three, so it's a mixed success. Yep. So you roll a four and a three, so we're going to take the highest, which is a four. You become a badger dressed like a doctor, but unfortunately, some of the kids are afraid of badgers. So while half of them love it, there's a few who scramble back. And how are you going to make them feel a little better as they are terrified of this badger in front of them? Maybe I shrink down and make myself look like a tiny little badger doctor. Oh, yeah. Let's try that. All right. Um, I would say the same things. Apply. Uh, good at casting spells. A wizard. Yep. And take a third dice as a bonus because you are just trying to help here now. You've kind of got the feel for the audience. Oof. That's worse. All, all trouble. <laughs> I accidentally made myself much bigger. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of the kids are scared and they retreat to Lady Bronzewood, but most of the class loves it. This demonstration of illusion, they are blown away. And a couple of them ask you how they can become illusion wizards. Can I teach them a couple of little things? Yeah. Do they have, so do they have like wands or staffs or things like that? So these kids don't have wands or staffs, but you can show them a couple little minor illusion spells you know that you don't need any kind of implement for. All right, so I start to teach them a little bit of prestidigitation that you could do just to change the color of your fingernails so it looks like they have fun nail polish on. That's excellent. So give me a roll for that, too, just to see how these kids handle it. Do you think that the dream of developing your own magic would help at all or no? I think so. That's a kind okay. of a learning teaching one. So let's take okay. three. So the same two and then the extra one about learning new stuff. All right, so I got a... Three and two five, so the five is a mixed success. Yep, so we'll take the five, and with the five, you do a great job. A lot of the kids pick it up right away. A couple don't seem to have the knack for it, but um, you have a whole bunch of kids with weird fingernails at the end of your class, and most of them go away very happy. Great, and I give them all, all a bunch of high fives, and when I do the high fives, stars fly out. Wonderful, they love it. Um, they're all cheering your name, and uh, who's up next? Who's going to follow up Wallace Q. Wallace, Master of Illusion? I would like to teach the children a simple spell to heal paper cuts. Ooh, they all lean very close. They all deal a lot of books here. There's a lot of learning and they hate paper cuts just like anybody else. So you're going to teach them to heal a paper cut. A couple of them actually have paper cuts and um, Max is kind enough to let, lend you one of his knives and you can give yourself a tiny cut on your finger to demonstrate and a single drop of blood wells out and the kid's eyes get wide and they all lean in close. Steel will mend a broken blade in fire, see it sings. A mind will give a body dreams, but love will give it wings. All right, so what lines of your story are you going to roll here? Um, I will take one for being a cleric and one for healing and wards. Sounds great. So that's two dice. Let's see them. I have a five and a one. A five and a one. You heal yourself excellently. A couple of kids naturally kind of have a gift for it, it seems like. A couple heal themselves no problem, these minor cuts. One kid looks a little glum. He, uh, it seems like he's a little tone deaf and he can't quite get the lilt of the spell right. I am going to, um, well, is he angry? 
He's not angry. He just looks kind of frustrated. Like he really wants to get the hang of this healing magic, but he can't quite nail the kind of musicality you have about okay. the spell when you recite it. Okay. Um, well, I'd like to help him by giving him some one-on-one instruction. Okay. What do you say to this kid? Um, Cause Corley, I, I just can't get it. What's your name? Douglas. Okay, Douglas, what seems to be the problem? I just, I've never been a good singer and I can't get get it to sound right. It just comes out all croaky and my paper cut's still here and it just stings. Oh, Douglas, I wouldn't worry so much about the cadence of the words. It's more about the cadence in your heart. Cadence in my heart? Speak the words from your heart. All right. Steel will mend a broken blade of fire, see it sings. A mind will give, a body dreams, but love will give it wings. Well, what are you going to roll to help Douglas um, here? Elf cleric. Yep. Excellent at healing and wards. Yep. And I think I'm going to roll for peace, harmony, and wellness for all. Yeah, that's a good three. I think that's fair. You're trying to encourage this boy's spirit. Um, I got a two and two fours. So the four, it's a mixed success. So he doesn't quite get it. You can tell he's not quite there. But you kind of under your breath, kind of sing it with him and it does heal over. It's mostly you doing it, but you kind of let him have that victory. And he goes a little, he goes away feeling a little better about himself. Great job, Douglas. It was so nice to meet you. Keep practicing. Um, so Douglas smiles at you and you know that he's doesn't quite get it. He might have a little trouble in the future, but you've made him feel good today. And um, everybody in your class is very happy about it. And the couple of kids that picked it up fast are going around healing the kids who couldn't. And um, overall, they're very impressed with your lesson. But now Bronzewin comes up to announce Mac's good name and the crowd draws together with bated breath. All right, kids. Uh, so I've been thinking about it and... If you're going to be doing some heroing, the thing you really need to learn how to do is how to take a fall. Uh, so just line up here, and I'm going to push you all over. <laughs> yeah! uh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I'll, first, I'll, I'm first. I'll, I'll show you how it's done first. Uh, so I normally would just fall over, but now that I have my new power, I'm going to try this out. Uh, so I use the power of my star and encase myself in the power of my shield. So you're covered in this magic silver armor now? And I fall over and it looks great and everybody applauds. I'm not going to make you roll to fall over, but all the kids cheer and now the first kid comes up. All right. So I tell him, you know, if you're falling, you want to land on the flattest part of your body. Make sure that you're, you know, dispersing the weight and yeah, 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 push me. All right, but I, I want to make sure you're not going to get hurt because I'm going to push you pretty hard. All right, and I push this kid. All right, so what are you going to roll for pushing this kid? <laughs> uh, so Wallace Kiwas hates bullies. <laughs> hey, Wallace, you stay out of this. They need to learn. All these kids are going to fall eventually. Uh, so I think teaching other kids how to be knights applies so i'm going with human knight all right i'm maybe i'm making some friends with these kids okay okay I'll give you making friends uh and then teaching the kids how to be heroes of the realm as well all right i think you can get three on this they're pretty stoked on you and they're very eager for this hero training all right and i push him and I get a four, five, six. So you take the highest set as a six. That is a success. You push this kid, and even though it seemed like he was too excited, 
he hits and he does a perfect little back roll and springs to his feet, throws his arms up, and all the kids burst into cheers. And there is a line of kids demanding to be pushed next. Ah! Push me! Push me! Push me! Oh, that was excellent form. Great job. You're natural. Yep. And so about 30 kids later, all of whom are pushed more or less successfully, um, they seem to kind of have it down. You're actually a good teacher in the end. And um, you see, as you're kind of walking away, the kids are pushing each other now. And Madame Bronze one's kind of tempering a little bit. But, um, you know, the kids are happy to have you, even if the teachers are a little skeptical of your methods. Well, maybe let's not push push each other. Let's uh, let Let's let a professional push. Can I push you? Sure. All right. He's going to give you a big shove. All right. He's probably not going to be able to push me over no, by himself, but I'm going to be he's, very dramatic is, about it. Yeah, this is more of an act for you. All right. All right. So I I go five feet backwards, jumping off the ground. All the kids cheer. They love it. They pick this other kid up. And uh, yeah, everybody's just going nuts in your class. Uh, the three of you, Wallace, Corley, Max. People. And Peeper is there too. Um, one of the kids asks if Peeper can teach a class, and uh, Lady Bronzewin shuts that down fast. Is let's not blind the children. But anyway, you guys do a successful teaching, and um, after that, you are called back to the king. So you're brought back to the tower, and you see the king sitting there, and he says, "Oh, I, uh, I heard you three were little teachers today." Yeah, it was great. Had a lot of fun. I saw you pushing children by the dozen in the courtyard. <laughs> That's why it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I turned into a big badger. It was so great to spend time with the kids here. It's nice to see that they're interested in learning and really excited about powers. Well, it's important they have role models like you to look up to because there's a lot of stigma about the Star Sworn. And, well, it's good that they know that you can be heroes as well as, you know, all the negative things that are said. Boop, boop. Uh, all too true, Peeper. And now I um, have graver news. It seems we have your first mission already. I hope to give you more time to rest, but... A new figure known as the Radiant has seized the city of Bastion. The Radiant is likely a star sworn, so you need to go in, I'd say, low profile. And once you do, you need to figure out what exactly they are doing there trying to take over the city. I fear the worst. We've heard from the lore mothers that Bastion was originally built to protect something. Something deep within the mountain it's built on. And we, well, we can't have a, um, a rogue star sworn gaining whatever magics may dwell beneath. Is there any possibility that it's a good star sworn? No, unfortunately, they've seized the city and they are, um, declaring themselves independent from the crown. That's terrible. That's really terrible. Anybody who doesn't agree with this so-called radiant is being expelled from the city with just whatever they have on their backs and nothing more. Is that where we heard about this from? Is the people who have been forcibly expelled? Yes, we have reports from the refugees. And did any of the refugees have any intel about what dangers we might face? Unfortunately, we don't have any information. We know, we know that there is a crew, and we believe to be star-sworn by the way they apparently flew into the city. And there is more than one, but they are led by this figure known as the Radiant. And they are... Um, unkind, let us say, but they seem to be remaining out of the public eye for now. Is, are all the refugees okay? The ones that have gotten out are okay if any stayed behind and tried to offer some resistance. I, we don't know what might have happened. So wait, is the Radiant a group or an individual? 
The Radiant is an individual, but he is commanding now a small army of loyalists. Well, these guys sound like some real bullies, that's one thing I know. It sounds like a really dangerous quest. I'm a little nervous. It's no gonna more be okay. dangerous than um, jousting without armor, or for that matter, fighting a basilisk, or the silent knight, or a giant whale imbued with the spirit of a locust. So I, I trust you lot can handle it. You are, well, I, I have older knights and more experienced knights, but I don't have any other star-sworn knights. And I think, I think you are the group for the job. You know what, Coralie? I think once you get in there and you see the refugees, I think your mother bear instincts will kick right in. Your Highness, we've got this. Good, and before you go, we, um, we've heard from the Lore Mothers about what the city is guarding, but we've only had vague reports, scraps of legend. But here at the Conservatory is one of the oldest and most complete libraries of magic lore in the world. It's, it's a strange sort of library, but if you can go in there and somehow manage to find the information you need, you might just have a little edge. How long do we have to research before we leave? This seems fairly urgent. Well, I've talked Lady Bronzewin into lending you one of her airships. Does anyone know how to drive an airship? Well, Lady Bronzewin is operating the regatta for students today. It's sort of an orientation kind of contest that they have. And it's helpful for getting a feel for the new students and where they stand in their power. And I imagine once that's over, she will give you a lesson and see you off. But the airships are designed to be operated fairly independently. Uh, Sounds easy. Dibs! <laughs> Shotgun! You're introduced to Dr. Rana, a fussy-looking tree frog frosker in a vest and monocle. The librarian is a retainer of Bronzewin's father and has served the family for many years. He is ancient, fussy, intellectual, and loves to chatter. As he talks about the books, his suction-cupped fingers let him climb up and down the shelves. Oh, welcome, welcome to the most gorgeous and immense library of magical knowledge in the known world, which I have the humble task of caring for. This is no small matter, as I'm sure you understand, given that all magical knowledge, especially when accumulated in great amounts, is prone to, well, shall we say, life... So, this library, this generous and broad-leafed behemoth, is home to readles, living books. As their curator, I care for them, keeping bookworms and silverfish, terrors on the bindings, at bay, and ensuring each has enough of their chosen foodstuff to survive. The best part... If cared for well enough, they'll often grow more pages and sometimes reveal secrets new or ancient. But you're here for information on the city of Bastion, are you not? That'll be in a riddle with iridescent covers and a habit of flying about. It'll take a bit of work to track it down. You might wish to try baiting it, as they're awfully quick. If you can gain its trust, however, it should let you peruse the more sensitive pages of its wisdom. And with that, the old fussy frosker throws open these double-wide doors and you see the inside of the library. It is a room hundreds of feet tall, interwoven among a tree, the shelves built into the wood itself, and everywhere books scuttle and fly and flap. And somewhere in this endless maze of living books is the information you need. What's wrong, Peeper? I think he's afraid of the moving books. 
Okay, Peeper, you wait in the breezeway and we will handle um, the Riedels. I gotta admit, I'm judging these books by their covers. These Riedels are about to get riddled. Ugh, that one drooled on me. Ah, lucky. hearing us play through this chapter of the story's role-playing game. Remember, if you want to play along at home, chapters 1, 2, and 3, plus all the rules and everything you need to get started, are available at storiesrpg.com. Then you can play and act out your own Starsworn adventure with all your friends and family. New chapters will be coming monthly, available to download at storiesrpg.com. Special thanks to Nate, Emily, and Kelsey Lee, our producer Andrew Martin, our friend Vin Svept, who wrote all the original music in the episode, and Michael Lowe, the designer of the Starsworn game with Daniel Hines. Michael is a certified English teacher who runs online classes to help kids learn the joy of writing fiction by using storytelling games. If you'd like to hear your kids laugh, gasp in excitement, and write page after page of stories for the sheer joy of it, Check out the classes on luckoflegends.com. Classes count for homeschooling credit and come with Common Core aligned feedback on your child's writing, speaking, and collaboration skills so you can help them keep growing as they play. And to check out all of Vinsvep's music, head to youtube.com slash V-I-N-D-S-V-E-P-T. Thanks for listening!